0: Welcome to the Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. I'm your host, Scott Roberts. Stick around for inspiring real life stories of incredible resilience and achievement. Thank you for listening. Let's be inspired. Hey everyone, I hope you are well. Welcome to another episode of Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. Got another really exciting guest for you. I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. It is Rupert Rickson. Rupert, hello, mate. Hello. How's things?
1: Yeah, pretty well, thank you. bro. I just made what I'd say pretty much the perfect glass of squash, just the right level of uh, strength. So, very much enjoying that.
0: So, you're feeling smug? Yeah, do
1: you know what I mean please myself on a Friday at four o'clock?
0: It's the best end to a Friday. So, do you just want to give a little introduction to yourself and then we'll steam into it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I'm Rupert. Uh, I run a production company called Perspective Pictures. Um, We make all sorts of types of video content for brands like Red Bull and um, Lululemon and Microsoft and that sort of thing. We make big viral pieces of content and we do kind of like Um, you know things for kind of startups and social ads and things like that Um, so yeah we've got a team of 26 based in East London um, and my background was on sort of like documentary filmmaking um, where I didn't go to kind of like university and at 18 I sort of left school and thought right how can I kind of build myself up and just kind of started making content and videos and short films and documentaries and such um, and then thought this is actually really fun if I can do this for the rest of my life and get paid to do it. That'd be wicked. So built a production company um, and started that when I was 21.
0: Perfect. And it's one of those early documentaries that we're going to speak about. So Rupert was director and producer of what is now a Netflix documentary called Longboarding LA to New York, uh, where himself and a group of friends did exactly that. Longboarded 3000 miles from one side of the States to the other raising money for the teenage cancer trust um where did the idea start
1: so i suppose like fundamentally i had this bizarre concept around like masculinity where i felt like i didn't fit into like the normal masculine sort of like mold when i was like 16 17 and i felt like this concept of like i want to do something that makes me feel like a man or what a man is or whatever. Like this almost like rite of passage, like almost like sort of tribal thing. And I had this like weird, yeah, I was like, do I go join the army? And I said, I don't really think I want to join the army. I don't think that's going to be very fun. So I thought, actually, I want to do something that's like really, really difficult, um, have some kind of an adventure, you know, and and kind of go and explore. I really wanted to go to the US because I'd been once when I was really young, but kind of thought I'd really like it and explore the US. Uh, I wanted to get better at skateboarding. I'm still really rubbish at skateboarding. Absolutely nothing has changed there. Um, and I was also kind of getting more and more into filmmaking. And I was quite conscious that there were a lot of white middle-class boys calling themselves filmmakers. And that actually, that's a very, very common breed. And to, I felt that I had to do something not just in terms of my filmmaking ability, but I needed to do something that would make me stand out and help me sort of, you know, approach conversations and all that sort of thing and show that I really was committed to, to that. And it wasn't just like a, a title to me. So, so yeah, so I kind of slowly pieced everything together. I thought, actually, you know what? I was just like in the kitchen one day. I thought it'd be really cool if you cross like the U S on a skateboard. Um, I looked it up and I was like, mm, skateboard's probably not a good method of transportation, uh, and found out what a longboard was literally cause I was just Googling it. Um, and looking about and I was like, oh, this could be really cool. And I rang up one of my mates and was like, Do you want to do this? And then it took me almost three years to actually get the project off the ground um and fly out to LA to to start a very, very long push across quite a wide country.
0: So just for people to understand what is the difference between a longboard and a skateboard, uh, there's probably one obvious um difference, but why would that make it better or easier for what you want it to do?
1: Yeah, so a longboard is is basically a skateboard but bigger. So it's obviously longer. Um it has a lot more flex in the board itself. So like riding a skateboard, when I get on a skateboard, it kind of feels like you're standing on a matchstick. Whereas like a a longboard moves a bit more like say like a surfboard almost. And then you have like much bigger wheels on a longboard. So you can deal with much worse road surfaces basically. But also how you steer. So on like a skateboard, you'll like put your have your like foot on the tail of the board. And you'll like put your weight down and lean it, and the front of the board will come up, and you can kind of tap from side to side. Generally speaking, because the trucks are a lot tighter, um, you know, which is the unit that the mounts the wheels to the, you know, to the board basically. But on a longboard, it's much looser, so you can like cruise and move around much more easily.
0: Because you you had a bit of a, a warm up, should we say, trying to go? Was it across Wales?
1: Yeah, a longboard from the top of Wales to the bottom.
0: How did that actually go?
1: Mm, bit of a disaster um it was just so relentless and felt quite dangerous um and was very very difficult and um we weren't really ready to do it at all and i was the only person that actually managed to do every single day in wales well,
0: um it's kind of a bit of a theme in the documentary as well then isn't it, <laughs> it
1: As an ongoing theme that maybe we weren't we didn't really know what we were doing
0: but um, did, did yeah. the idea for the us come after wales or was what was wales seen as a warm-up or a practice run
1: wales was literally just yeah like a practice run it was like uh, we'll give wales a go we were like all right we're on gonna long water across america i wanted to do it one specific summer We were doing, we did a Kickstarter campaign. It raised 9,000 pounds, but I didn't reach the 12,000 pound goal. So I got nothing. And then I, so what I did instead is I was like, well, I'm not going to sit around for a year and do nothing because I'll have to wait till next summer to try and do it and find the funding. I thought, right, I'll go make a documentary, like a test one and practice and skateboard from the top of Wales or longboard from the top of Wales to the bottom, and then use that experience and everything else to kind of help me sort of boost the next one. So, so yeah, so I did that.
0: And it didn't put you off. Um, no. No. Did it, did it put did all the people that did Wales with you do the LA to New York? No, they didn't. Any of so
1: them? Obviously, it obviously put some people off. Right. No, so me, Ollie, and David all um did Wales and the US, but we had two other people with us that um did Wales but not the US.
0: Okay, so you mentioned I think you said there was about three years that went into the planning of it. Yeah what what were the
1: challenges raising the money was a big challenge that was probably the main thing I think if I'd you know naively been able to get hold of the money I needed very quickly then I think that I would have um gone out a lot sooner and even less prepared um but basically yeah we tried to do a kickstarter campaign that sort of failed and then I tried to do a um and then I basically got a job worked, put all the money aside, like stayed living with my parents and just put all my money aside that I was earning from this job. Um and then had a couple of sponsors as well um back the back the trip. So yeah, so I used that. And then I found a cheaper a way to reduce the cost. So previously I was going to need to rent a van for three months and all this sort of thing. But we found these two um two brothers that were called the Van with No Plan. Um and one of them sort of girlfriend was with them as well and 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 they um and they were like traveling all over the U.S. doing odd jobs. So I said to them, Let, if I pay you $5,000, will you drive us across like the U.S. and be like our support crew? And they were like, yeah, cool. And they were like big into skateboarding themselves and all that kind of thing. So yeah, so they came out with us.
0: But that was obviously a massive help. Um, How do you go about planning the route for something that vast?
1: So it's kind of done by just like city. So I knew that I wanted to kind of go north like I want to, basically it was just like, right, I want to go to LA and then we'll want to go to Vegas. Cause it's the only thing like near LA in the right direction. And then I sort of thought, well, we'll go up to Salt Lake City, across to Chicago and then down to, down to New York. Um, there was one point where I thought I was going to do LA to Chicago. Cause I didn't realize that Lake Michigan was a lake. I thought it was the coast. And then I realized that LA to Chicago isn't coast to coast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, things kind of went downhill more or less straight away from day one. Yeah. Just without me giving it away, talk us through how it kind of went downhill and the things you wasn't really expecting.
1: Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, we flew out there in May, I believe, or June, I think it was. So, you know, immediately we left LA and we were out in the desert. And the Mojave Desert in the summer is brutal so it was like being in like a hot bath all the time like the air was really hot like everything um I immediately was like you know very quickly we were all getting like heat stroke and things like that like the the toll on our bodies and like mentally was like insane so fast like I had hallucinations where like just like really minor ones where I kept thinking that cars on like the road coming towards us were boats so it's really funny this whole like thing you get about like you see in films of like people out in the desert that see like water I always thought that was mental and like not real but it is like a thing because like the way the heat kind of floats over the road and then really quickly your brain like is it, it kind of plays tricks on you the other thing I noticed is a lot of the time I couldn't tell if I was pushing downhill or uphill because again I was so like disorientated and like exhausted that I wasn't really sure of the orientation of the ground that I was stood on. Um So just things like that. So that was really, really tough. There's like this clip of me in the film and I'm sat in the bus and you can just see like my eyes have like sunken into my face a bit and they've gone all like a bit purple and I'm just, I can barely string a sentence together. Um So yeah, it was, it was very, very challenging conditions. You know, we had someone on the trip who wasn't like really prepared, I think physically for well, I don't think any of us were really prepared, but I think they were even less prepared and they sort of had a a bit of an injury within the first few days. So literally it was like within a couple of days, we'd had somebody dropped out. One of the crew members got really badly injured in a longboarding accident on a a motorway and the the longboard like got smashed by a lorry. So that was really terrifying. So it was just like things fell apart almost instantly. And I was like, oh my God, how are we going to finish this?
0: Yeah, I think the the big one that hit me alongside obviously seeing how hot it was, because of that, you you more or less had to spend a lot of your time skating in the dark, didn't you? Yeah, Um, I was
1: not doing skate night skates.
0: That just the way it sounds brutal, where it sounds lonely and, and obviously massively dangerous.
1: Yeah, skateboarding like in the middle of the desert in the middle of the night is terrifying because like there are potholes on the road and you can't see where the potholes are, so like Every like hour, your front wheels of the board, even though we had head torches, would just drop into a pothole, and you get thrown off across the tarmac, and you have to get up again. It'd be like, oh, for God's sake! And then you just go again. So that was brutal. Getting lost in the middle of the night. I remembered like when I was a kid, I got um, Paranormal Activity on DVD, and one of the things they told you to do if you got too scared from watching Paranormal Activity was like ring somebody else who's not in that situation or whatever. So, I mean, paranormal activity was basically a disappointment. But when I was in, I remember being in the desert at like three o'clock in the morning and like um, I rang my mum and it was like, I don't know, like it would have been like nine, ten o'clock or whatever it was in the UK, 11 o'clock. And I was like, hey, mum, you all right? And she was like, yeah, I'm just eating a banana in the kitchen. I was like, oh, nice. She was like, what are you up to? I was like, I'm lost in the desert and I can't find <laughs> anyone. And it's two o'clock in the morning and no one's answering their phone.
0: How, how did that go down with your mum
1: she was just a bit like well that's not great is it but I'm sure you'll work it out and I was like yeah no, thanks so I just had a little chat with her
0: did it have the effect you wanted it to
1: um what on me generally yeah yeah, I think so. But in a very the outcome was like very different to what I thought the answer would be. So I kind of resolved like my thinking, like so my thinking around like how I felt as a person and my identity. And it was about effectively, if I'm honest about it, as cheesy as it sounds, it was like I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't feel like I conformed to what I was being sort of told to conform and how I should feel and like how I should fit in. And I sort of realized in the US, that I basically just became like super, super comfortable with who I was as a person and just realized I just don't really care about so many of these things anymore. Like I, you know, spent three months like sleeping in car parks, waking up and brushing my teeth in McDonald's bathrooms, like, you know, like putting my body through horrendously difficult physical Things like constantly just being batted backwards, but having this one like singular goal. And it's like, it really made me sort of reevaluate, I think, subconsciously what matters. And also, just it built a lot of confidence in myself that I was able to sort of do things and overcome things and maybe kind of appreciate, you know, some of the sort of some of my um, personal traits. So, you know, and it brought me a lot closer with my, you know, some of my friends. So, you know, I think for me, it was like, I went into it thinking like, I want to be something different. I want to conform to X, Y, Z, because that's what society tells me to. And I kind of came out of it just not really being so bothered about what I should conform to and just being much happier in myself and, you know, backing myself to resolve things.
0: Yeah. I think there was two main things in the documentary that made me want to reach out to you because part of this documentary is people doing ridiculous challenges you tick that box, but overcoming adversity, you know, if people watch a documentary, you go through a lot of adversity, a lot of things you didn't expect, you probably go into a deeper hole physically and mentally that you probably weren't prepared for. But there was the, the 24 hour skate, which we'll probably touch on in a bit, but kind of what you've touched on there, right at the end, you talk about how it, how it didn't really change you as a person it, it just gave you more confidence in who you was and, and to be who you were
1: yeah definitely definitely I think that's a good um good way of sort of describing it for sure
0: so let's go to that 24-hour skate Did you just want to explain what it was and what why you decided to do it
1: yeah so we were obviously doing a lot of skating and we were like well we want to try and break a world record and like do something so what we did is we um the guys persuaded a school that had an athletics track to let's use it for free and we put on an event where like lo- local businesses came down like a local reporters came down local businesses like uh gave us like free skate stuff and they gave us like food and fed us and drinks and stuff and we um and basically the aim was that we wanted to travel the most The furthest distance on a skateboard or a longboard in 24 hours and so we just skated round and round in a circle we had a camera set up to film it so that if we did break the world record we could prove to guinness that we did it and um we just had like a clicker that literally i knew that the 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 circle was a quarter of a mile so every circle i would just go click click click
0: so i suppose the benefit of being on that track was a decent surface the hopefully the downside is that's got to be boring as fuck.
1: There was so many problems with it that we just didn't didn't foresee. Like, so yeah, one super boring. But it was also kind of nice because we always had company, which was very rare. Whereas like, often we were out in the middle of nowhere. Like, TV stations came down and filmed us. Like, we had a whole class of kids like come and cheer us on and all make us cards. Some of which I've posted on the wall in the office just out there. And they were like, "Go, Rupert, David." So that was very adorable but it was more it was more just different physical challenges like for instance i push naturally with my right leg um and we were travelling around a track yeah that's right we were travelling around a track in a right hand circle and so for some reason it just really upset my like um my left leg i think it was just really didn't like like me leaning on it at the angle it was or something like that so Basically, I just had to get, like, a roll of duct tape and just wrap it around. And this was, like, seven hours in or something. Like, I just wrap it around my upper leg, like, round and round and round and tape it right down and then switch and push the op- with the opposite leg to normal, which I'm not used to at all. And so I had to learn to push with the other... I had to learn to longboard again, basically, like, on this thing. So... And then, like, it was so horrendous. I... I went after the 24 hour skate was finished I went back to the hotel I went to sleep like immediately and I woke up and I was like oh my god I'm in so much pain took off the 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 duct tape off my leg and it was literally just one just loads of just massive blisters to make one massive strip of blisters about this this long all across the top of my leg and I was like oh my god that's horrendous took that off and I was like okay I need to go and shower because I just feel like I'm in so much pain I just want to like, like warm my muscles. So I like, walk, like couldn't walk properly. I was like, walked into the, the shower, turn on, the, you know, get undressed, turn on the shower. And I'm like, I, oh, I just don't want to stand up. I want to lie down or like sit down. Cause I can't, I don't want to stand on my legs. And I realized I don't have the the physical ability to like squat down because of the extra pressure to try and squat down. It's going to put my legs. So to get down in the shower, I had to then like, I walked out of the shower. So I'm all wet. I'm just totally naked. I then like lie on the sink roll off onto the toilet on my back and then roll myself onto the floor and then I drag myself by my arms onto the shower and just lay in the fetal position, like in the shower. Um, and that was just because I was going the wrong way around the circle. So there were loads of uh, loads of things like that we just weren't expecting. But
0: it was you that suffered from heat exhaustion during the 24 hours as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I got heat stroke really quickly and I was just being sick by the side of the track.
0: Yeah, so... How did you get, how mentally, how did you get through that? What What is going on in your head during that time to just say, keep going?
1: Um, it is really, it's really hard to explain, but it's kind of like trying to get into that like flow state, like you do when you're driving on the motorway or something like that. And I feel like I just don't give myself the option of not carrying on. So it's like once I start doing it, I'm just not going to stop until I'm until I'm done and I'm really determined on that. But building up the like energy to start is what I maybe find more difficult. But I just kind of got into a bit of like that space in your head that you might get into when you're driving on the motorway where you just try and like lose yourself in your thoughts and just try and not focus on being there in the moment and just kind of disappear somewhere else in your brain and just let your muscle memory just sort of carry you through things and just distract yourself
0: did you feel a pressure that if i don't finish this there isn't a documentary
1: yeah definitely i felt huge pressure um i'd had friends at home tell me like what i was doing wasn't going to be possible and that i was being reckless and irresponsible and i wasn't going to finish and there were people online that had like posted like oh we're going to get to vegas and realize how difficult it is and then we're going to and then we're going to give up and i put that as a quote at the start of the film you know so we've got like like i did feel a lot of pressure and i'd spent three years convincing everyone else i'm going to do this thing and convincing people to support me and people to come with me and everything else and i was like well now i just i just can't not do it i have to do it
0: so i mean you got heat exhaustion you were being sick you had blisters all over your legs but you got off quite uh quite lightly because um the person doing it with you got blisters all over his penis yeah he
1: got really bad penis j think
0: um, to the point where he he put it in a cup at one point.
1: Yeah, he put he tried like changing boxes multiple times while on the board, like you know just doing it in his boxes, and then like eventually put his dick in a in a cup basically. Um, if I can say that on this podcast, mm-hmm. and like a polystyrene cup and uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. skate around. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, he gave up about eleven hours in, but like like fair enough to him. Yeah. He, he was in a lot of pain.
0: There's certain good reasons to give up, and um, a chafing penis is probably one of them. <laughs> but, um, during the time, it, it shows you getting pulled over by the police. You you stop and you stop with pe- a few people now and again. When the police are pulling you over, what, what's their reaction?
1: Most of the time, it was really, really positive. So, like Americans have this like. Because we were doing it for the Teenage Cancer Trust to raise money for Teenage Cancer Trust. We had like a charity affiliation. Um, And generally, I think Americans are so much more like so supportive of stuff like this. Like we had so many people that like, you know, let us brought us into their homes, like fed us, let us stay in like spare motel rooms. Like, you know, I had a police officer who like stopped me, found out what we were doing gave us like a police escort of such or just sort of followed us into the next town and then like just bought me like me and my mate like an ice lolly and was like, all right, boys, I hope we don't get too hot out here. So like, even though often, you know, I think that in some part, in some part these parts of America, they have quite questionable, maybe things that we would see like politically is like very, it's like quite immoral or quite dark or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like actually, in terms of who they fundamentally are as people, everyone was so lovely and so accommodating and so kind. And we had a guy like drive past us, pull over and stop, run out of his car, open up his boot. And he just had two like chilled Gatorades in his, that he took out of this like chiller in his, in the back of his boot. And he just ran over and he was like, it's awfully hard out here, boys. And just like handed us one each and then just carried on driving. And he didn't even know what we were doing or that we were British or anything like that. Jimmy, you know mean? he just saw two, Sweaty boys by the side of the road and was like, give them a little refreshment.
0: It looked like they need some help. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so <laughs> they were amazing. Most, of the, it was one police officer that was a bit rude to us, but you yeah, know, fine. All right.
0: But there was one clip where there was a random man. I think it, it was on a bike, and he just started recording you randomly. I think he woke you up. <laughs> like, where was that? Who was he? Where was he going? Did you actually mind being woken up? So I imagine you were pretty knackered as well.
1: Yeah, so we were woken up a lot by random situations from like crack addicts in car parking lots to to cycling enthusiasts. Um, and this guy was like, a, yeah, like a cycling enthusiast, like makes these little video vlogs of like him going up the big mountain um, with like some of his cycling buddies. Um, and literally they just came across the bus And because I was sleeping on the wheelchair ramp, so we had a wheelchair ramp on the bus so that would go down and point outside of the bus like that. So out to the right. So I could like sleep with my head and shoulders and torso outside of the bus and my legs would be inside the bus because there wasn't much space for us all to sleep in there. And that guy just came across like all the branding and the decals on the bus. It said like longboarding LA to NY. And then he came over and was like, oh, there's a dude here and just woke me up and started interviewing me. Uh, and I found him online, like afterwards, like just from like guessing right. what it might be under. I to find his YouTube channel, find the video, and I just put it in the film. I've not actually asked him if I can use the clip. He never replied. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> I, I you hope he didn't
0: come. One thing that kind of stuck out was when you went to Vegas. Had you ever been to Vegas before then? No. Nope. So like, I've been a few times. One of the best bits is flying over you see nothing but desert you've got desert nothing else and then you see what is ultimately an adult disney world you've spent i can't remember how many days it took to get to vegas but i presume you spent numerous days and nights seeing nothing just middle of desert actually seeing fake boats floating around exhausted and then and then you see vegas in the in the distance how did that feel
1: that was amazing like the first I hadn't showered for like eight days when I saw Vegas so I was like oh my god I'm gonna have a shower I'm gonna sleep in a bed like you know we were we were pretty broken I'd had this issue where because of the dryness of the desert it dried out all the skin on the inside of my nostrils and it had caused it to crack which meant that I was having like chronic nosebleeds so I was waking up in the night like covered in blood like it was just horrific. Just like I would just be sat there and I'd be like, oh, here we go. Um, and so I was like, oh, I cannot wait for a nice long lie down and a shower and everything else. And the fact that we'd made it a distance, like that we'd gotten from a place, significant place to another significant place was um was really special.
0: Was you able to spend enough time in certain areas? Is there anywhere? that really stood out and thought this is beautiful i wish we could spend a bit more time here or was it literally sleep move on sleep move on
1: most of the time yeah it was sleep move on sleep move on we spent a little bit of time in salt lake city which was nice just like two days or something three days and that always like rest days in like an exciting city were always like such a treat um but I, Omaha, Nebraska, which is where we did the 24-hour skate, I loved as a place. It's one of my favorite places I've been. I really loved Nebraska, weirdly. I wasn't expecting to, but it was one of my favorite places. Um, and obviously, when we got to New York, we got like four days there, something like that, three days there. And that was like incredible. Like I went and got a haircut in like a fancy hairdressers like a fancy barbershop was like $60 haircut and I was so I had no money at the time whatsoever but just going and being like pampered and spoken to and having my beard trimmed and having my hair cut I was like oh, I was like a new person afterwards I couldn't believe how good it was
0: holding to take as long as possible with it yeah, yeah literally so you've mentioned injuries and things like that what, what were what were the worst injuries that happened to you or, or the team
1: um, there was a few that were pretty rough. One was I the what I cause we like did some big hills on these boards. So there was one night where we went out skating and we were going like forty, fifty miles an hour on these boards down like hills at night with the bus behind us and the headlights and stuff. And there was some looking back on it, there were some really sketchy things that could have really gone wrong. But for me, the worst injury happened at like walking pace. I basically like there was this really crap road and I was complaining about it. And I was like, this road is so shitty. This is so annoying. And I kicked my board out in front of me. And I do this thing where I just like, casually like step onto my board. And as I went to step onto my board, I didn't lift my foot up high enough. And I just kicked the board and just tripped over it. Like at walking pace, I tripped fully over the board. And I was so not expecting to fall over that I just fell down. And just like, I was wearing a helmet, but I just bashed my head into the floor. So I was like face down on the floor. And then I just started to have a fit. So like my body was just like started to like shake. Um, and I had this weird fit which is I didn't know about but David sort of told me about so he was really panicked and then afterwards I just felt like a bit weird and a bit confused Um, but I'd had a similar but actually with a much I had quite like quite a bad head injury before the trip practicing for the trip so I was a bit stressed about like having hit my head again and had like a fit Um, so that was probably one of the worst ones but generally I'm very thankful there weren't really, for me, there weren't really any big injuries. Um, That
0: that fall was just before the 24-hour event, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah.
0: So without spoiling it at all, I I don't think people actually realise until you see it just how dangerous just the general day-to-day stuff was in regards to... There's there's a few clips where you kind of show... um, an up close of, of the road quality or lack of quality as such where you kind of think oh it's okay they'll either be on pavements or on road but a lot of the time the roads had like you said had massive potholes in the tarmac was crumbling away you were going uphill for a lot of it as well it's got to be soul destroying at times.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah yeah I think um yeah we would have the worst ones are like when we would go through we would go through the Mojave Desert and the road quality was just awful and the heat was awful and we had so much time to make up and we were just pushing and the board was like and then just slowing down so we were basically almost like hopping and then um so it was almost as physically intensive as just jogging it was really rubbish and then we'd get to this like stretch of really smooth tarmac and we'd be like oh my god it was like almost getting into like bed we were like like touching our legs and just like weaving we're like this is amazing and then literally we got around a corner and they'd only done it for like half a mile and it was like awful again I just remember being like I'm gonna cry <laughs> um and there were quite a few times like mentally it's really difficult like where you'd be like cool we've done 300 miles so if I do this nine more times and I already want to give up and stop then we'll be there so that was a lot of like that was really hard, just like how long it was of just doing it day in, day out for two and a half months when it was really physically difficult. That was tough. But it did. It did actually get easier.
0: OK, what what got you up on them, them early mornings when you, you've been skating for hours or days on end, you're exhausted, you wake up, your body's in agony. What, what got you up?
1: Thing for me like doing it with somebody else and i feel like i generally have quite a sunny and a positive disposition and i sort of felt like if i wasn't positive then we wouldn't do it if that makes sense i sort of felt this need to kind of keep everybody else positive and that sort of in a weird way kept me in check so you know it, it meant that it was maybe a bit more difficult afterwards to like process what had happened um, but yeah, fit like it was. I think it was. I felt I needed to keep everybody else positive, and you know, ultimately we were committed to it. We were going to do it. So if we didn't get up and didn't go out and do it, we were only going to end up leaving three hours late. And if you leave three hours late, you're going to finish like four hours later, and that's just going to be miserable skating in the dark. So
0: I, I suppose in in many things in life, if there's no option but to get it done, there's no option to get it done. So you you do it
1: yeah yeah there was no there really wasn't any for me any possibility that I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do it it's something i had been so obsessed with for such a long time so for sort of better or for worse I just sort of had such a single track mindset about it
0: how did you keep morale up because a few people dropped off I think a few people kind of drifted in and helped at times how did you keep morale up is there any weird and wonderful things you tried
1: I think just like messing around a lot like you know group of mostly lads and and Sarah who was great who's uh, Matt one of the guys girlfriend but just messing around like we you know we that kind of really helped and like just like the people like the local people as well really kind of helped like you know we met people that took us like to shoot their guns we met people that took us to like ride t- tractor inner tubes like down the river like we stayed with different people like you know I think that the 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 people there that we met along the way were really good I think the van the people are in the van and and Ollie and sort of the support crew and stuff they were like amazing and like really 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 supportive and made us feel a lot better and yeah it was just kind of like a everyone we met sort of was like willing us on or you know people would get quite inspired by it and you know that was um that was nice all the way to like the slightly weird lady who insisted on coming on the bus and praying for us all and holding all of our hands at the same time so you know you, you met some like crazy people we met like a group of like a massive group of girls like 60 girls that were like running across america or oh, no actually they were a mixed group but they were mostly girls and they were like running across america for for cancer so they'd all like had lost relatives to cancer so they had like their relatives written like in like um paint on them their names of the people they'd lost and they were like running in um in um I can't what it's called relay across like the US, so they would run like 20 miles and pass up 20 or whatever between them and in like little groups and we met them and like, we had like a really great time with them and they had these like chants and stuff they did in the morning and like sort of paid respects to the people they'd lost and stuff, but in a very positive way. So we, we had like a morning with them and that like gave us like a big boost. So we've met lots of like really amazing people and that really helped.
0: Is that something you kind of went searching for? Cause I, I suppose it's, that's not something you really think about, or you, you probably think our oh, people won't be that interested We're just a, a group of random blokes doing this random task but as you're going along and you realize the positive impact these locals are having and they actually want to talk to you did you kind of find yourself stopping a bit more and talking a bit more just to get that 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 human human touch without sounding a bit weird
1: yeah yeah i think definitely we became more you know we're british we don't like talking to strangers but we definitely became more and more open to it as we went along i think that the the guys in the van who were americans they were like very good at engaging with local people and very sweet and they sort of really had that in them so they were real kind of natural networkers they were real kind of natural networkers so that was really good um but yeah I think I think we sort of did and because we had the bus which had like longboarding LA to you know longboarding across America whatever it was longboarding LA to New York across America for you know Teenage Cancer Trust you know all on the side and like the website and stuff on it you know that meant that a lot of people saw it And like we were getting to like a town and like the next town along would have already would have already told them about that we were coming and they would be there waiting for us and like welcoming us and giving us free drinks and stuff and, you know, food and inviting us to random fairs to eat cake with them and whatever. So like, you know, there was there was if we were in like a populated area, there was like a good chance we'd we'd meet some nice people.
0: What did it feel like getting to New York?
1: um it was insane i think that seeing new york was like i remember sitting down outside of a crispy cream and this dude had just given us some free crispy creams because he was closing and he loved what we were doing whatever and we had like 20 miles left or 15 miles left and i remember just sitting there being like that is we've done like 2985 miles and we have like 15 left that's like nothing And I think the first time we saw New York, we got like such a massive, we felt so excited to get there and getting in amongst it and stuff. And then it was kind of weird. As soon as it was done, it was like, it just was, you know, it was like over. It was like this it was a bit confusing. It kind of felt like you didn't feel, the second it was over, there was like, I almost felt like I was playing the sense of relief and playing the sense of excitement a little bit and saying it, because I felt that's how I should feel. But I just just kind of felt like, okay, well, that's, that's finished.
0: There was obviously a lot to process, wasn't there? Um, Yeah. You know, you're exhausted. You've, you've really just had your head down and your ass up for months on end. And there wasn't really a welcoming party at New York, was it? It was the people you'd been with for all this time. And it was just like, oh, okay, we've, we've done it. What, what do we actually do now?
1: Exactly. Yeah. They held out a line of toilet paper that we broke when we skated across it. We didn't even finish in New York. We technically skated through New York and over into Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm finished. So we could sort of have New York in the background and um, cause New York's tiny. It's only like three miles wide or whatever it is. So um. So, yeah, and it was just like, I was like, okay, well, it's happened now. Well, I don't know. And then we were like, instantly, like, what do we do next? Do we like swan pedalo to Ghana, or I don't know, like, that'd be cool. Like, I don't know. So, has, so. has there
0: been a conversation of stupid things to do next? Have, yeah. you done, have you done a stupid thing?
1: Yeah, so we've done a couple of like silly things, like um, kidnapped a Boris bike and took it to Cardiff and cycled it back in under 24 hours um hitchhiked from the top of India to the bottom you know we've done like a few things like that um I ran a marathon like two weeks ago which I was hideously underprepared for so you know still still choosing like little adventures and not quite preparing myself for them
0: how did you find I'm actually in preparation for doing one in December I did my first ever one in February how did you find the marathon
1: Uh, Yeah, it was pretty rough, actually. I had just gotten off a flight from Alaska because I'd been filming for a week. So I had three hours. Hadn't been able to train really for the last three weeks before the marathon or four weeks because I'd um, had like work had been really busy. We'd been on a load of film shoots. And I tore something in my knee like 18 miles in so i couldn't really walk but i really wanted to finish so i hopped and dragged my leg behind me the last eight miles and i did it in six hours and 25 minutes and i got there five minutes before they closed the finish line (laughs) and i finished last (laughs) so i think i'm gonna go again in like in a few weeks time or like four weeks time
0: how is is the knee now
1: yeah it's all right you know i don't know what it was it was really painful and i went home took a really strong anti-inflammatory and woke up the next day and was just okay and i was like all right um i tried to run like this week on it and do like 10 miles but start to get really sore at like 9 miles so i had to get an uber home and abandon it and that was a bit embarrassing but you know it's fine it's just training
0: so we'll finish up kind of we've spoken about it already but where you ended the documentary talking about how it gave you this perspective about yourself and confidence because as i've touched on i want I want people to go away from this to do the scary thing that they've been putting off or get out of their comfort zone and take inspiration from people doing impressive, inspiring things and just thinking, I can do that myself. So what is not just the LA to New York, but the other things you've done and the things you've learned about yourself, what confidence has that given you in say other parts of your life in in regards to work and things like that?
1: I think there's a lot of like pressure on young people and young men and I think that that is a, a difficult thing for anyone to traverse in terms of their identity and growing up and balancing the realities that they see in front of them with the realities presented to them by the internet and by the media and you know external expectations from parents or friends or you know Instagram or whatever um so but I think that there is something really to be said for doing something that no one can take away from you like and doing it for you I think that's huge and I think that that's something that I've got a little tattoo of it on my just above my ankle there you go Don't you can see that Uh, just like LA's New York and a little skateboard and I just like carry it with me like everywhere and I think that it's an incredible thing to have in the back of your mind where like to have done something that's really, really difficult, you know, like if the car breaks down and I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'm like, wow, worst comes to worst. I'm probably like 20 miles from the nearest town. I could walk that in six hours. I could be there. I can do that. It's not like, you know, it, it could be things like that, or it could be personal things where, you know, when you really decide when you, I think things like that bring you closer to who you are and being confident in who you are and you'll find situations where, It's difficult to override external expectations or difficult to, you know, to balance that. But actually, if you're able to be like, no, this is who I am and this is what I believe, you know, I'm going to stand by this, even if it might not seem like it makes sense or it might not be the done thing or whatever, you know, and I think that's really nice. And I think that perspective, we've managed to build like an environment and a culture that I really love. And I think that a lot of that is partly because of this kind of slightly carefree attitude I have now with stuff where if I feel like something doesn't matter, like I really feel like it doesn't, it doesn't matter, like turning up to business meetings on a skateboard or like, you know, which is probably cool now, but it wasn't when you're like pitching to a boardroom full of like people in suits and they're like, what the fuck? And they just think you've turned up to see somebody's dad or, you know, not caring and worrying so much about like how you dress and what you wear and you know, or how you behave and just focusing on like trying to focus on like the fundamental things that you care about and make sense of the world. And to me, that's like to just have fun and enjoy myself and try and make sure other people was having as much fun as as possible and just enjoying the time I have here. So, you know, I think that's that's sort of what I landed on. And that's kind of, yeah, it, it it's kind of filled a lot of the bullshit, I think, for me, um, completing something like that. And and, and that's a feeling that I would i'm super super feel very very lucky to have and i would encourage anyone to go out and seek that
0: brilliant i think that's a perfect place to finish so obviously they can go and find longboarding la to new york on netflix the the other stuff you've mentioned where can people go and find that
1: Uh, if you just type in perspective pictures into google you'd be able to see kind of the you know the website and our work and that sort of thing so you know any brand managers out there that want to work with a fun video production company you know come talk to us but but um, but yeah, go find people. I encourage people to go find their own little adventures. Go yeah. take a ridiculous vehicle and cross something or
0: yeah. do you know what I mean? yeah, that's yeah. the formula for me. Pick a mode of transport, pick a country and off you go.
1: Exactly. My brother unicycled around the Isle of Man. So, you know, there you yeah.
0: go. Right. I better get him on next week then. And <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Oh, man. Great stuff. Thank you very much for coming on, Rupert.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.